Now, back to Whiteley. As Amazonian last went for home, 250 metres to go, three or four lengths in front from Sardozzi, then Harlow missed Kurnasana. Amazonian last with 150 metres to go, two and a half lengths in front of Sardozzi, who's picking her back. Amazonian last getting tired. Sardozzi is not going to get there. Amazonian last has just won from Sardozzi. A gap to in third, Harlow missed, then Ethel fled, who was the eye catcher. That was the Wakeful Stakes on Saturday. Now, there's no two races more closely aligned on the Australian turf than the Wakeful into the Oaks. Uh, Amazonian Lass is looking to further that today. So w- when these big races come along, Ross and I love to flick through and just have a look who's in the ownership of some of them. So the Geelong classic form is represented by Served Cold, and you'll find a Gunston and a Roughhead and a Shields in that. So the Hawthorne boys are are having their go after the Richmond players ran second in the cup with Solcum. We found a very familiar name to us, at least, in the way that we follow racing in the ownership of Amazonian Lass. Gary Crisp is the executive director of racing and sports. So he's perfected the time form ratings. And I was trying to think, what's the right analogy to share with you? So this is a little bit imperfect, but if Hoiny had a son who was playing league footy, I reckon that would be the equivalent. So Gary Crisp has Amazonian Lass in the Oaks today. Hello to you, Gary. G'day, Jared. How are you going? I'm well. So you look at racing from a very technical and statistical perspective, but I want the emotional perspective today. You're feeling the excitement with a runner in the Oaks. Oh, absolutely. I never thought I'd ever be privileged enough to be in this uh, position as I am today. So, yeah, no, it's a fantastic feeling. And Saturday was an amazing feeling. It's uh, hard to explain, actually, but a very exciting day. And, uh, yeah, wonderful win by the filly. She's a beautiful filly. So, yeah, looking forward to today. What's tempted you from the analysis of everybody else's horses to own yourself? Uh, well, basically, over the years, you know, that with uh, you know, work with Timeform for 25 years, so I believe in in the process, and uh, we do all the ratings for Timeform in the Southern Hemisphere and through Japan and, and Asia and, and that sort of place. But over the years, I've, I've been travelling around and talking to the major studs uh, globally. They actually use our time form ratings in in their process of selecting brood mares and to go to certain stallions. So. I thought, well, this is sort of something that perhaps I could actually have a look at when I have a bit more time on the hand. So I set about developing my own model based around time form ratings. I'm not a breeding buff by any stretch of the imagination, but I approach it from the lens of using time form ratings and, and how uh, the progeny of different stallions uh, rate with regards to male and female uh, progeny. There is a difference. Uh, and also the, the production or, or the produce that mares produce. And I found a lot of interesting trends. So putting all that together, into a model, I then put that over the top of uh, fillies that, are, that, that I'm interested in uh, purchasing and, and that's the way I've done it and I've invested in quite a few. Uh, North Star Lass was uh, my first foray into that process and she was very successful for us and, uh, and Amazonian Lass was one of another group that, that, that I've gone into. So uh, yeah, so for me it's quite satisfying that, that the process does seem to work and does validate what the major studs around the world are doing as well and I know it works because they keep taking our figures and, and put it through their own analysis. So, so yeah, it's a, a totally different process, I suppose, of coming up with uh, 
you know, with the fillies that I want to invest in. I don't get them all right. I don't expect to, but you know, I'm having a lot of fun along the way. Oh, I love this. It's like David King taking the formulas of champion data and applying them to the teams and then seeing what it looks like when they play. What was it about Amazonian Lass that, that drew you there? Uh, well, basically, More Than Ready is... Uh, this, she was the last of the More Than Ready um, progeny, uh, but basically on the dam side, Dynastic Lady was a, was a fast-net rock filly, but she's uh, got Galileo in, in, in the dam side as well, the second dam of, of Amazonian Lasses, Galileo. Now, always, I've listened to Aidan over the years tell me how Galileo, you know, up, up, upgrades all, all, all the horses he has. So I thought, well, you know, uh, why, why shouldn't it happen with this filly? But there were other signs on, you know, throughout the dams and and, and then ratings analysis on that side, uh, as, as as well as the more than ready cross and 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 uh, you know, so so she, she to me looked and, and she was a beautiful filly, um, but she did have a very strong statistical analysis, you know, that 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 sort of fitted the model that I'm working to. What did you think of her on Saturday? Oh, she's fantastic. I mean, I mean, Gay's always thought that she would need 2,000 metres, and each run this campaign, she's always improved her figures. She's jumped about three or four pounds each time, and and the race on Saturday uh, rated about a pound below the five-year winning average for you know for the Wakeful. So we know the form was quite good. Um, and, and you know, I, I think she'll improve again today. They've all got to run 2,500 metres, of course. But I mean, I think that I'm hoping that the Galileo blood does actually kick in in that last couple of hundred metres. But uh, but you know, I mean, I, I think she'll be a lot stronger next time round as well. She's only this is only her second preparation. She's only had the seven starts. So it, it, it's it's interesting though, Jared. When um, Sam Clifton rode her in the first up run of the Light Fingers in Sydney. He gave us an enormous rap for her that day. He said she felt just so strong under him and, and felt that she sort of, you know, would be really, really strong as she got out over staying distances, which I thought was interesting observation from him at the time. So I'm so interested in this. Is the horse that ran second, Zardozzi, on Saturday, is everybody's popular pick? Amazonian lass is, we know what the wakeful form is in the Oaks. What does the stats man say in you, Gary? So don't worry about the owner. Does the stats man say Amazonian lass can hold off Zardozzi again or we'll see a turning of the tables? Uh, well, to be honest with you, she as the day she gets a couple of kilos turnaround and being a weights and measures man, I've got to, I've got to say that uh, Amazonian Lass actually does face a task. But on the on the flip side to that, like I say, Amazonian Lass has made that slight jump in the figures each time that she stepped out and you know in her last four runs. So. I'm confident that she'll do that again, whether that's sufficient enough to hold out Zardozzi. He's a very smart filly, by the way. Uh, it'd be no disgrace to be beaten by her if we were to be beaten. But uh, but it's a lot stronger race, obviously, than, than Saturday, a bit more depth. But, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting just the same. I can imagine that usually you would be pretty cold and calculating during the running of any race. Is, will, we, will we find you sort of hot and emotional as she's going round? <laughs> Uh, I think you might, Jared. Yes, I think you might. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't get an opportunity to to have a runner in an, in, a, in an Oaks, let alone one with a with a good chance of winning. So, yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, it's it's great. It's good on you, Gary. I'm, and I love yeah. to hear the the practical application of the theory that has served racing so well for sort of twenty five years. Just as we close, Gary, it was a glorious Melbourne Cup. Was it a great Melbourne Cup, according to to your analysis? 
Uh, yeah, I think it was. I mean, we had the winner going 127, and uh, that's a figure that's only been better twice this century. So I think it was a very good Melbourne Cup, as the Caulfield Cup was a very strong form reference into into the Melbourne Cup. Look, I think the Melbourne Cup in the last few years has is, is proven to be a very strong race, and they've had some really good winners of the race, I think, which is good, good for the race and good for racing. Terrific, Gary. The very best of luck this afternoon. Thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, pleasure, Jared. Thank you very much for having me on. Good on you. Gary Crisp, who's the Executive Director of Racing and Sports, and he's putting his his theories and his data into practice in the ownership of Amazonian Lass in the Oaks today. Hi, Jared. This Moneyball racing style best, that's Pete and Bo Morris. So I feel like it's not perfect, but if Hoiny had a son who was playing in the AFL, it'd be something like what's about to transpire. I reckon there's some threads that we'd understand pretty well out of that. Um, Hamish McLaughlin, he's what he's playing for the showcase today. So that three years in a row, he's given us the trifecta in the top four in the Oaks. He's the defending champion. He'll be back to do that again. We've got some AFLW coming and Meg Lanning's announcement of her retirement from international cricket.